All right, actually, everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. I lied. Nick lied. You can't lie in church, Nick. You can lie anywhere else, but not here. No, I'm just joking. Hey, we're going to play a game real quick. It's super quick. It's called Heads or Tails. We're going to just stay awake. Some of y'all look dead tired, and we need to wake up, all right? We need a revival. And so this is how it goes. We'll do a practice round. I'm going to flip a coin. You're going to guess heads or tails. You guess right, you're still in. If you guess wrong, you are a loser. And you sit down, okay? So if you guess heads, you put your hands on your head. If you guess tails, keep your hands down. Last man standing wins. Does that make sense? All right, here, let's try a practice round. You guess as the coin is in the air, ready, set, go. If you guess heads, oh, you are still in. Does that make sense? Great, you got it figured out. Here we go, ready, set, real deal, go. It is tails. If you guys had sit down, it's over. Look how much people see that. Everybody's basically out at this point. All right, here we go. Ready, set, go. If you guess tails, you are out. Sit down. All right, here we go. Next round. I'm sorry, heads, but you are out. I know, you thought. All right, here we go. We're almost out. We're almost out. Here we go. It is tails. Soik, it's heads. It was heads. Sales, sit down. Yeah, I did trick you. Sit down, okay? All right, how many we got left? We got four? All right, here we go. Here we go. Oh, no. We're going to re- reflip, okay? Here we go. Yeah, I would, I would switch it. If you guess tails, you are out. I know, I know. You guys got so excited. All right, you guys have to guess differently on this one. So somebody will lose. All right, you know what? No. We'll just see if you both win or both lose. Okay, here we go. Ready? If you guess tails, you're still in. This is going well. All right, let's keep it going. All right? Somebody's going to have to lose at some point. Oh, oh no. Oh no. If you guess heads, you are in. You win. You can have. Keep the That's yours, all right? All right, hey, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans the rest of this day. And so we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Now, while you turn there, I'm going to encourage you to stay engaged, okay? So again, Adam and, and this staff and your leaders have prepared a weekend for you um, that, Lord willing, God would invite um, your heart to be revived towards him, in him. And so one way last night we began to wonder what what would it look like for God to begin to revive us? What would it look like for God to begin to revive our hearts? Well, it starts with finding a refuge in anything outside of Christ. No, it's everything inside of Christ that we have to find refuge in Jesus Christ alone, that anything outside of Jesus will not satisfy. And so what do we do? We talked through Romans chapter 8, verses 31 through 39, and we began to find um, that finding refuge in a person is Jesus, that we can find refuge in a place, which is in God's word, that points to this Jesus. And then there we, we can also find refuge in a power, that, which is the same power that raised this Jesus from the dead. Now, to give you a little bit of history, if you don't know who Paul is, Paul is writing the book of Romans, and the overarching theme is the gospel. It's the good news. And there's, there's something that has compelled this Paul to write about this Jesus, to write about this gospel. Now, if you don't know his story, he um, met Jesus face to face 
as he was actually headed to go murder some more people who followed Jesus. Now, Paul was one of the most hated men in the world, and he was one of the scariest people to interact with, especially if you were a believer. And so he was on a mission to go murder and kill more people. Like, he was just headed um, down a dark path, and in God's kindness, he meets Paul face to face. And what Jesus does is he says, Paul, why, why are you persecuting me? And it's so weird because Paul wasn't persecuting Christ. Paul was persecuting people who loved Christ, which shows God's heart for his people that when we are suffering, in fact, that is when Christ is nearest. That when you and I suffer for his name's sake, we are experiencing an authentic love that only we can experience in Christ. That Christ, when we are hurting, he feels that same pain. We see that in John 35, 11. Or maybe it's 11.35, one of the two, where, where Lazarus is, is dead and, and Jesus knows that he's going to ri- raise him from the grave. But even in that passage, it says that Jesus wept, that Jesus did, didn't desire that we would die one day. He didn't desire that we would experience pain, but he felt near to the people who were mourning over Lazarus, even though he knew that next day Lazarus would raise from the dead. And so there's something about this Jesus that, that brings peace and, and, and a sense of, hey, I'm, I'm trying to sympathize with you. I understand you. I didn't mean this for you. And so Paul, he meets Jesus face to face, and now Paul's life is radically changed. Right? His heart has been revived, and he's been now in three years of ministry. He's doing all these things. He's learning about this Jesus, and now he's on a mission for every single person to know this Jesus as Lord and Savior. He is desiring that people who are reading Romans would know this gospel. He is, he is Lord willing, um, desiring that, that people would come to find refuge in this king. And so we began to talk through, we can find refuge in a person, that this Jesus that Paul met face to face, in a place, the word of God that points us to this Jesus, in a power, the very same power that lives inside Paul, lives inside you if you follow Jesus that, that raised Christ from the dead. But this morning, we're going to be in Romans 12, 1 through, 1 through 2. And, and the difference is, is a focus that invites renewal. Now, we need to change the way that we think. So if, if last night you're like, man, Joel, I, I do desire to find refuge in Jesus. That once we find refuge in Jesus, as he begins to stir our affections for him, he then begins to invite renewal You could even say rest, that God desires rest and renewal for you. But I think some of us, um, we step in here, and and no matter how old you are, um, you've come with some baggage, right? And so uh, me growing up, at least, you know, I grew up, and I I allowed, like, the, the words that people said to me have an effect on me. And if you know anything, words, they not only have a shelf life, but they have the ability to shape life, right? That words matter, that somebody might have said something to you, and it really, it really pierced you a little bit. And so you're thinking, man, God does not care. And so you began to bottle it up in this glass bottle. And you're like, I don't think God can take care of this. Or maybe you said something to somebody, and, and now you're trying to hide it, hoping, well, maybe God doesn't know. And, or maybe, maybe, I, maybe he, he's shamed me for what I've said or what somebody said to me. For others, it might be um, something said to you, and... And others, it might be a certain sin that you've, you're, sin, you're struggling with a specific sin. If I were to ask you the question, hey, what is that one sin that always gets you? 
For most of us, we have it, boom. Maybe it's comparison. Maybe it's gossip. Maybe somebody um, did something to us, so we, we retaliated, and it's, it's, it's not a good thing. Maybe it's something we're looking at, guys or girls. Maybe it's something we're playing. Maybe it's something we're doing. Maybe it's something we've done, and so that sin, we're afraid that God can't cover it. Or God, God is looking down on us, and, and so we've bottled it up, and so we don't really think, well, I don't know if I can find refuge in Jesus because I'm afraid he doesn't want me. I'm, I'm afraid he's, he's, he's stiffed-armed me to the side. For others, it's its identity. You're like, man, God, like, I'm really struggling with who I am. I'm really struggling with what my value and my purpose looks like. I'm really wrestling with, man, I live in a home life that's really kind of messed up, and I don't, I don't know what you have for me. And honestly, I question if you actually have a plan. I question if you actually have a purpose which has put this roadblock in you deciding to follow Jesus and find refuge in him. And the reality is, is if we choose not to find refuge in Jesus, we will never experience the full power of renewal and rest. Because the the antidote to our restlessness, our uneasiness, our struggle, our pain, the antidote is Jesus. That he he gives us that rest. For others, it's it's our self-confidence or our self-worth. Maybe you have identity, but you, you, you're not proud of your identity. You're not proud of where you came from. You're not proud of, of who God says that you are. And so you begin to question God in, in that area. For others of you, it's home, that you hate going home. And you question, like, God, well, God, why would you allow me to be raised in a home like this? Why would you allow my friend to be raised in a home like this? Why, well, like, if you really love me, if you really care about me, why, why would you have allowed this? And so then we began to, to bottle these things up, right? We're like, this is your fault, or I don't think God can cover this, or I don't think he cares enough about this, or man, I think I'm going to hide this and, and, and die with this one, or this, and, and you begin to build this bottle up, and, and it becomes so full, and you're, you're wondering, does God care? And if he does, why would he allow me to do that? And I didn't, you know, I wasn't the one who sinned first, I was Adam, so why... Why is it my issue? Why do I deserve the the backlash from Adam messing up? And so I think we do these things and then we begin to wonder, can I really find refuge in Jesus? And my hope is last night that you were like, maybe I can. Maybe, Maybe what Joel is saying, what Paul has written down, maybe it's true. Maybe I can find refuge in Jesus. Maybe, maybe the start of my heart being revived once again is not just finding refuge, but then experiencing renewal in this Jesus. And so Paul's desire in this passage is that we would not hold and cling to the things that have broken us, that has distanced us from certain people or certain things, but that he would say, hey, all the things that are bottled up, God actually cares about it. So everything that you've wrestled with, everything you're going to wrestle with, everything you're currently wrestling with, God doesn't look at it and say, come pfft. I don't care about that. I have bigger things to worry about. No, in fact, there's a reason why he died on the cross for it, because he cares so deeply for it. That when you're broken, when you're suffering, when you're questioning what God is doing in your life, that's when he is nearest. That's when he desires your words. That's when he desires your questions, your thoughts, and everything else in between. And so Paul, he's beginning to, to focus on renewal. He's pointing us to a focus that invites us to rest, to find renewal, and if anything, to find a heart that would once be revived again for this Jesus. And so Paul, he's writing this letter, and he's writing it to a group of Christians, but 
But as you read it, he's actually hoping and anticipating that people who don't know the Lord would read this and be changed forever. And so last night, we talked about this person and this place and this power. And this morning, if you're taking notes, we're going to focus on the sacrifice. How do we find renewal? We focus on the sacrifice. We focus on transformation. And we focus on the destination. And so point one, focus on the sacrifice. He writes this in verse one. He says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercies, I urge you, you would even say he begs you, he implores you, he's on his knees, for that you would present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Focus on the sacrifice. You could even say a call to commitment. That Paul is saying, listen, if you know the sacrifice of Jesus, we talked about this last night, that this Jesus came, he lived a perfect life, He was beaten to a pulp, hung on a tree. He died, rose from the grave three days later. The sacrifice that you and I like look at, we we rest our hope in that resurrection day that we get to then become a living sacrifice for this Jesus. That Paul, he would never ask us to do something that Jesus Christ hasn't already done. So Paul is saying, listen, you get to focus on the sacrifice, and in turn, you get to become a living sacrifice with your life. We focus on his mercies, his promises, his life, his legacy of perfection, and what he has done in our life, and that propels us, that propels us, that, that, that pushes us to want to live a life that represents Jesus well. Students, are you living a life that when somebody looks at you, they can tell this person's different. What they watch, man, it's different. What they listen to, they clearly love the Lord. How they talk to each other, how they act, they can tell this person, they, they're following somebody that matters. And so Paul, he's saying, guys, you get to focus on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Where he was beaten to a pulp, you get to find rest renewal and joy in that Paul's words are called to action directed towards application its goal is to make a decision to commit to Jesus that you get to commit to the the sacrifice of Jesus so that you in turn begin to live a life that is pleasing and honoring to Jesus he says this this is your true worship that how we live it matters that people are watching you and in fact if people know you're a believer In fact, they hope that you fail because they hope that this Jesus really isn't true. Or they do hope he's true and that that they're watching us so closely that we have to then begin to wonder, okay, if we stumble, what does it look like to be built back up? What does it look like to to apologize well? What does it look like to to be messy but to love the Lord and allow him to, to work in our life? Because if the sacrifice of Jesus is so important, then we live as though it's so important. That we please God, the creator of the world, when we commit our life to him and we choose to become a living sacrifice, which is ultimately our true worship. Have you committed your life to this Jesus, to this sacrifice? Are you focusing on the sacrifice of Jesus? That when this stuff is going on, how do you respond? And I would, I would wonder, you know, I think for me, especially growing up, I, I like. I grew up in a Christian home. 
you know, one of 11. We all love the Lord, kind of, at the time. And I'm still trying to figure out who Jesus is. And, and I would never say, I don't trust Jesus. I would never say, like, I don't think Jesus is really for me. I would never, like, verbally say whatever. But how I lived would show it. So you can say, man, I trust the Lord. But how you live will ultimately show it. What you're looking at will show, are you really following Jesus faithfully? What you're actively doing with friends or with family will show, are you pursuing this Jesus? Do you trust Jesus in this situation? Your actions will show it. Words, they're cheap. Actions, they will cost you something. And so Paul is saying, man, we get to to focus on the sacrifice. We have the joy of focusing on a, focus our attention on a bloody cross so that we can then one day be a living hope for this Jesus. Well, then he continues. So if we want to find rest and we want to find renewal, then we not only focus on the sacrifice, but we focus on a transformation. We focus on the transformation. You could even say we focus on change. We actively change. He writes in verse 2, the, the beginning of it, he says, Do not be conformed to, the, to this world or to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That Jesus, this king who, who gave his life over for sinners, changes our perspective. He changes our thinking. We see this, we see this a, a, as a way that where we get to begin to like change our habits. We get to change our actions, who we hang around, what we do. That, that have, has anybody ever like ex- exercised in here? Anybody like to exercise? Good for you guys, okay? So I loved exercising for a small amount of my life. Um, so I'm very, very short and small. And, um, and I don't weigh a lot. And so I was like, I'm so insecure, I need to go start working out. And so I get a Planet Fitness membership. That was already the thing I should not have done. And so I go to Planet Fitness, and I'm killing it. I'm, I mean, I'm just, I'm just shredding, you know. I'm, I'm like, I'm committed that I'm just going to be huge. I'm going to be built. I'm like the next Sylvester Stallone, Rocky Balboa. You want to fight me, you know. And so I'm going in. Now, Shelby, everybody wave at Shelby in the back. Hi, Shelby. That's my wife. So Shelby's convinced that I only worked out for about three weeks. I think she's lying. I think she wants to believe that. I think she was intimidated because I was getting so huge. Um, no, I wasn't getting huge at all. And um, so what I did was I began to, like, exercise. I'm like, I'm drinking these protein shakes. I'm eating, and, and really I'm not gaining anything. But, I, you know, I'm, I'm working out one day and another day, and then, it starts 6 a.m., 6 a.m., and the next week, 6 a.m., the next week, 8 a.m., the next week, Joel, where are you at, you know? And I'm like, I'm exercising, and then, I, and then it just kind of stops, like, really fast. I think I exercised for at least two to three months. Shelby says two to three weeks. Um, and then I had the membership for another year, so I just kept wasting money. Don't do that. Uh, but then I was like, well, it's either a $50, you know, like, fee if I want to cancel early, so I decided to just pay $120 the rest of the year. I don't know. It's just stupid by me. But, but, but exercise, like when it came to me, I was just like, I'm not committed anymore. I don't really care. Like, I'm just going to be small my entire life. But the, the dangers of that when it comes to the Christian life is when we choose not to exercise, it doesn't just affect your body. It affects your love for the Lord. It affects you, it affects you finding rest in Jesus. That when we choose to not exercise, when we choose not to get in the Word, 
when we choose not to attend Wednesday nights or Sunday mornings, when we choose not to be a part of a community, when we choose not to remind ourselves of the promises of Jesus, these things continue to overfill, overflow, and we forget about the importance of the sacrifice of Jesus. That when we want to find renewal and rest in Jesus, we don't just find it at a bloody cross, but we find it in a way of thinking, a transformation. We change how we live. We exercise our mind to what is godly, what is true, what is honoring. We exercise how we think that would lead us to live in a way that glorifies the almighty God. Once changed, we do not live the same anymore. And so if you have found refuge in Jesus and you desire that God would revive your heart, you then begin to step into a direction of finding rest and renewal in this Jesus, not because of just his sacrifice, but because of his promises that continue to follow after you over and over and over again. But I think some of us still in this room are wrestling with these things. It doesn't have to be a ton. It can be one little thing. And we're afraid that God, I trust you with all this, but I don't know if I trust you with this. God, you focus on my eternal, but I'll focus on my temporary. And when we follow Jesus, the transformation aspects, it it requires us to give everything. It requires us to trust him with everything. Even when our fleshly sin says, no, I don't know if I do. He says, no, I I need you to trust me. And when we do that, this this is what Christ does. When the transformation happens, Christ begins to work. And all the things you thought were too much, we realize weren't too much. And God begins to move. And all those things that we thought we couldn't figure out, God's like, hey, I got it for you. And then he does it, and he works, and he works, and he works. And the bottle that was overflowing with sin or, or, or being upset or what somebody said or the things I don't know if I can trust you with, he begins to, to wash away. He begins to allow us to find rest and renewal in him. There's this old song that, that says, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Or what can make me find rest again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood wasn't just spilled out so you could live the life you wanted to live. That we get to, we get to experience the blood of Jesus washing away all the things we wrestle with. That no longer do we have to bottle it up, but this blood's poured out overflows with grace to say, hey, I've got you. I'm not far from you. What you're thinking about, listen, bring it to me. What you're wrestling with, whether that be identity or gender or what you're looking at or or relationships or your home life, hey, listen, there's a reason why I was beaten to a pulp. There was a reason why I was hung on a cross. There was a reason why I was stabbed in the side. There was a reason why I was whipped so many times to where I didn't look human. It was so that I could cover what you cannot fix. And so we get to find renewal We get to focus on rest, not just by a sacrifice, but we get to then watch him transform our lives. We get to change because of what Jesus did on the cross. And then he closes with this, that we not only focus on the sacrifice, we don't only focus on what he's going to do, the transformational aspect, but we focus on the destination. And he closes, he says, so that you, and you can put your name, so, so that Joel may discern what is good, pleasing, and the perfect will of God. 
I think a lot of us wrestle with, well, what's, what's God's will for me? Like, what does God have for me? I'm 13, Joel. I like Fortnite and zebra cakes. What is the will of God? All right? I'm 26 and I love zebra cakes, okay? Not Fortnite, never played that. But what is the will of God? The will of God is this, is that you would know Jesus and then you would make him known. That part of experiencing rest and renewal is sharing what Jesus has done in your life. And for some of you, you can't share what Jesus has done in your life because you are not willing to say, Jesus, I want to give you my life so that you can display what you've done in my life through my words. That the will of God is good, pleasing, and perfect and acceptable when we choose to give our life over to Jesus, when we choose to know this Jesus, and then when we choose to make him known. And I'm not talking about a knowledge base. We find it that the half-brother of James, he says that even the demons know and they shudder. That we can know about Jesus, but knowing Jesus and being in a right, real, and personal relationship with Jesus is so much different. That God's destination for you isn't separation from him. That God desires that you would live in harmony with him. That you would bring your struggles to him. That you would love him well. That you would have a heart that would be revived once again in him. That we get to focus on the sacrifice. We get to be transformed. And then we get to see God leading us down a a destination that would lead to eternal glory forever with him. And so students, this morning and then even tonight, you get to make a decision. You get to make a decision to follow Jesus. You get to make a decision to find rest and renewal in Jesus. And some of you are like, Joel, I know Jesus. I've, I've been a Christian my entire life. I've grown in a Christian. That's great. So what decision are you going to make moving forward? Have you been baptized? Are you in the word? Are you hanging around people that, that represent Jesus well? Are you seeking out wisdom from other people? Are you asking for advice from Adam or from from your leader? How are you going to allow God to begin to transform you so that you wouldn't have a heart that is stagnant, that you wouldn't just think, well, I've arrived, but that God every morning would give you something in your heart that would revive you and that would say, man, I want to go tell my friend. Man, I want to be different. I want to fight this thing. I want, to, I, want to, I want to be better today solely because God is awesome and I get to serve this king. And so question, have you found a refuge in Jesus? And if you have, are you focusing on renewal? Are you allowing God to, to help you be renewed, not just mind, body, and soul, but also just resting in who he is, remembering the promises? And if so, What are you doing about it when it comes to interacting with other people, your friends, your family? And again, if there's students in here, if you all, I'm like, hey, Joel, I'm just going to be straight with you. Like, I'm glad I'm here, um, but I'm really struggling to believe that this is all true. I have not been proven to my family or my friends. I've not, nobody's proven that this is authentic. And if you have a conversation with one of your leaders, if you have a conversation with me or with Adam, I promise you, we will be able to show you, not, not just through scripture, but by our very lives, how God is faithful time and time and time again, and that he is a refuge worth running to. He does offer renewal that is outstanding, and that, that he desires a relationship with you. Why? Because he's just that awesome. And so why not consider him 
um, this morning. Um, as I pray, the band's going to come and they're going to close us out. And what I want you to do is this, is as they close, students, if there's something that's tugging on your heart, you just need something to, like, you just need prayer. If you have questions, if you just need time alone, I would encourage you to, like, push it. Like, find a leader. Like, kneel at, the, at this, what we can call an altar, and just allow God to renew you even this morning. Allow you to find rest in Him this morning and allow you to be the one that runs to a refuge worth trusting in. Let's pray. King Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that, we, that all the things that we've bottled up in a glass bottle, you've decided, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour myself into these things and I'm gonna take care of them myself. That, that you are a God not just worth trusting in, but you're a God we can, we can trust our whole entire life with, our sin with, our struggles with, our thoughts with, what things we're wrestling or feel uneasy with, whatever it might be that, that students here this morning, leaders, myself included, that we would have a heart that would be revived in you and we'd find renewal in you simply because we found refuge in you and because we can focus on the fact that you have greater plans than just right now, that we get to know you and then we get to make you known. And if there's a student who doesn't know you, would you radically change that today? Would you pierce their heart? Would you soften it? And would they just come to the realization that they need you, that we were created for you, they were created for you, and you would lovingly invite them into a relationship with yourself? If there's another student who just says, man, I need prayer, would they be bold just to find a person to pray with? And if there's any other students who are wrestling with anything else, um, would you give them the confidence to know that this is a safe place just to be open and to be vulnerable with, um, with others. We just thank you for what you're going to do, what you've continued to do, what you're already doing. And it's your name we pray. Amen.